Hello all, welcome back to You're Going to Die, the podcast. You should see me now wrapped in my hoodie with my hood up over my head, bowed just a bit in front of this mic to kind of soften the sound. And I both use the excuse to wear a hoodie like it might help the sound and when I sit down to do the podcast, at least today, I just feel the tender responsibility of showing up. Suddenly, most life feels that way a bit where you're in your home and then you just suddenly have to be on a call or join a meeting or start a workshop or that that's how it is for me. And the podcast is like that. It's suddenly, oh, this is the time I'm talking to the people that are listening to the podcast. And so I need to get into that space somehow efficiently and effectively. I don't know what I want to talk about. Do I want to talk about Nomadland? Do I want to talk about Ted Lasso? Do I want to talk about walking through San Francisco Saturday night for like an hour and a half, like straight through the city, not as a crow flies, but straight as I could in the moonlight, just grieving what San Francisco has been for me over the years and what it is now in the midst of a pandemic. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to talk in depth about any of those things. I do recommend Nomad Land with Francis McDormand. And now it's like, who? why do I need to recommend that? Golden Globes recommends it. But I happened to watch it last night and felt very met where I am with what that movie is, which is full of grief and how to deal with grief in these times, or at least one version of how someone does. I highly recommend it. I love Frances McDormand. I met her once, and last night I was missing her. <laughs> I was missing that meeting because I wanted to say to her the things I was feeling watching this movie about grief and loss and her. She's so good. And Ted Lasso, sort of on the other side of the spectrum of recommendations, it's really good. It's really heartwarming and kind of surprising, like Kipo and the Age of the Wonder Beast. That's another recommendation. Is this a review? Are we doing reviews now? Movies and TV shows? Uh, both those shows are great because I feel like their writing is such that they're not falling into the old patterns decades and decades and decades, or maybe storytelling patterns of evil villains and the heroes and who those heroes are and how the evil villains get overcome. It's just, it's all different. And part of it is just what I think love and vulnerability and willingness to lean in with abundance towards situations, especially people that you're dealing with and being surprised by the outcome of being those vulnerable and generous ways with others the shows really i feel like that's part of the magic of those shows so anyway i just decided i guess i'm recommending shows and movies to you i like them though and i do recommend them and i do recommend a walk through the city late at night alone where you don't have to be so conscious of who's around it was so empty which is another reason why i think i felt grief is just that version of being in your city that you've lived in for over a decade and 
feeling how different it is right now. But I wouldn't even say all the reasons I cried as I walked and wept. I wept sometimes. And I wouldn't say all the reasons I I wept. I, I wouldn't even tell you what they are because I would maybe even be embarrassed to say them or you don't need to hear what they are. But whatever that is, I did feel a holding myself and letting myself have something that I needed. And so I almost feel today in the raw wake of that catharsis, I'm glad to be back. I've been feeling really strongly about these interviews. And this this one interview here that I'm sharing with Maureen Walrath is no exception, especially a couple of these recent conversations I've had with the guests on the podcast have meant a lot to me. And if you could imagine me now in my hoodie with my eyes closed, talking to you, just trying to be in the moment and see what's there to be said before I share this particular conversation with you. You could also imagine me the other day talking with Maureen and how I was, I was just rocking with my eyes closed, kind of grinning and smiling. It was a meditation for me to listen to her talk about her, her coffin weaving and the stories that led her to that and weave in and around her work and birth and death. And it felt really good for me personally to experience it. Maureen is a willow weaver, interdisciplinary artist, reverent farmer and threshold worker with ancestral pathways from the west coast of Ireland and main river lands in Germany. She is soft and you can hear that softness in her voice and how she speaks, but she's also a fierce student of birth, death, burial, and blood mysteries. And we got to like be in conversation long enough to feel both the softness and the fierceness. She weaves coffins and cradles as a small healing seed to plant with a long vision that birth, death, and the ongoing communal ritual surrounding these thresholds be returned to the hearts and hands of the people with the more immediate outcome of sharing the ancestral craft of weaving as a vessel for all life. Maureen is a guest on Sklalem Land in rain-shadowed Port Townsend, Washington, where cormorants dive and eagles tell glacial memory sky stories. There's the weather, but then there, yeah, there's also this feeling, this sort of undercurrent or invisible sort of feeling this time of year mm -hmm. that I sent in a message to you, but from, um, it's in Irish and Gaelic, but it's um, from John O'Donohue's book, Anamkara, and he says the, the uh, Gaelic phrase, Agboro, mm -hmm. loose, loosely pronounced Agboro, Ag, which means there's a quivering life about to break forth. Mm. And I, I think that's like the, that's the, um, the undercurrent, you know, it's really just amazing to me in terms of soul and body, body and soul, which, you know, John O'Donoghue talks quite a bit about in Anamkara, but, um, so it's like, how is it that there's pressure and a sort of rupture or, um, 
a kind of draining of this point in a body and the soul is just like pushed out. Mm. And like the, like the mystery of that, um, you know, it's like, where do we come from and where do we go? You know, it's, it's like, I can remember a friend of mine asking that about the death of her friend's mother. And just like, I have that same question and, and every time like we harvest an animal, you know, it's like this, there is like this portal that opens up in mm. each of those experiences, you know? Yeah. So I do, I do want to know a little more of an open-ended question here, but your relationship to death and dying obviously is like maybe anybody's very complicated and far reaching in lots of directions. I, I, I was thinking about that. I don't want to ask people the origin stories often, but for you, I really kind of wanted to get a little bit of that, which is why, why are we talking? <laughs> I guess it's that version of, I have a, I have an answer to the question that, leads me through history to being here with you now. And I'm wondering what your, your answer would be in that same way, if you could put words to it. Yeah. The willow. I feel like the willow has been a, a guide for me without a doubt. I was kind of sort of shaking into this, this sort of rite of passage or adulthood. Um, that was, that was, moving me along, not, it wasn't somebody or one particular thing. It was just this time in my life, you know, going back to John O'Donoghue, he talks about like the secret workings of the soul and that there's like these ongoing workings inside of us that is gross and that we basically meet a threshold. And when we meet that threshold, like we're pushed over it, you know, and like, even if we want to turn back and go like, no, I want, I'm more, co you know, I want to go back to that person I was before I ever knew what Willow was, you know, like I can't, you know, mm -hmm. because there's, there's yes. been these like secret workings, um, yes, yes. unknown to me. And, um, you know, I was teaching art and I was a part of an art, uh, artist collective in Chicago, um, around the time this was all happening and, um, teaching high schoolers on the South side of Chicago. But a, a I've, I've always gone to this. Yeah. What are the, what's the story that's inside of the material that we're creating meaning with, that we're creating art with, that we're creating with in general, because that the inside of those things that we're creating with, like are just as present as like the words that we speak or the ideas that we like place upon them. You know, like there's this, um, there's, yeah, there's this inner working, there's this inner life mm -hmm. to everything that's around us. And so um, I started thinking, oh, like, well, baskets, you know, like what, what are baskets? And I think I just did a quick search of uh, willow basketry. And for the sake of time, I, I wrote to my, you know, one of the most important teachers and people in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and her name is Margaret. And um, yeah, and was I just wrote this whole letter to her, hand wrote it, just told her who I was and wh <laughs> where I was coming from and why I wanted to weave and how I can, you know, what I had to offer essentially, not just kind of like what I wanted to get out of, you know, what I thought was maybe a quote, like apprenticeship or something like this, you know. Um, and I didn't have any envelopes or anything like that when I was at this place in Missouri. So I like stitched the letter, the letter closed <laughs> and I, and I sent it to her. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and before she could even open it, it was like three weeks later. And I was, you know, I think this is more the Capricorn Virgo and me following up on my communications, which is this hand stitch letter. Mm-hmm. So I called the number that I could find. Um, and she was, I think she was holding the letter, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she said, you wrote this letter. I thought it was a good friend of mine because it's all hand stitched. And like, <laughs> um, Anyways, that was my introduction to Willow. You know, I think maybe not a month and a half or two months later, I took a train out to Oregon um, and um, was in the coast range there where I was introduced to Willow in so many different forms and so many different ways and, you know, started weaving probably after a month I got there and... um, haven't stopped and willow something i say is like willow keeps the time and there yeah there have just been these moments where i look around and i'm like but there's there's a bundle of willow that i've just harvested or there's the bundle of willow that i'm soaking up you know that's why it's like willow keeps the time it's this like sort of constant companion but and also this yeah, this rhythm that kind of lives in my body and like lives in me now and that, and I can share with other people. Um, and that keeps me in conversation, like in participation with the world and with like with the earth and, um, has totally inspired going into Willow's relationship with the thresholds with birth and with death. Um, as a plant that, you know, in the traditions of my ancestors and weaving being this incredible, like ancient technology of the hands that has been keeping that same time and keeping that same rhythm in like the bones and blood of my ancestors. I don't know. It also feels like I've been guided here, you know, Mm. the first time that, um, it was brought into my awareness that, I could weave a coffin was actually by the same teacher that I mentioned, you know, I would go to sleep some nights and, um, not even mentioning the curiosities that I had to her. And I would wake up in the morning and there would be a stack of books waiting for me, like on the kitchen table, you know, and just like, Mm -hmm. um, just such a profound, (laughs) (laughs) uh, answer to, so many sort of achings and curiosities that I had as like a young adult person, you know, sort of coming out of the amnesia that I was raised in. Um, Mm. And um, there was actually this moment in when I was weeding these onions, this like onion patch when I was living in Missouri, again, one of those like tiny whispers or, you know, those moments where, okay, um, like you're going to go towards birth work, but also, in that you're also going to go towards death work, mm-hmm. you know, and that they happen simultaneously. And there wasn't any like, yeah, there was no one around me, you know, there was just, it was just me and the onions. And, um, and I'm so grateful for that moment. You know, I could almost start to cry think, you know, just feeling what that felt like to be, to have a thought maybe that I've never thought before. And just say, like, me? Like, I can do that? Like, I can go into these, like, 
really <laughs> into these mm-hmm. totally unknown territories and depths and but so 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 mysterious and so like frightening and also inviting at the same time mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. with with the willow it's there's there's tradition and there's techniques um but there's also, you know, one that same teacher I mentioned before says like, there's, there's no wrong way. There's only different. Mm. The willow were growing right next to the ocean. Mm-hmm. And so there's this whole conversation with the salty waters of the sea and the like watery roots of the willow. And um, yeah, just this ancient conversation that's gone on between them. I mean, not the ones that were planted there and cultivated for basketry most recently, but just knowing that there was like this other ancient conversation happening between them that had to do like with the waters and with this like coming in and going out. days of learning to weave that coffin which it was over five days that we wove that vessel together um you know I in the mornings they were all foggy and I could look out to the water and see the boats going and leaving the strait you know and and then coming back in at the the end of the day and um it was on that trip where my grandmother uh Carola um she she died and she it was february 14th and um mm-hmm. i remember exactly where i was i was in this willow patch helping my friend harvest willow there because it was the same dormant season same sort of winter but also about to life about to burst forth you know in <laughs> february and um and she died and i never met her you know my dad mm-hmm. was adopted and um and I had never known my other grandmothers because they had died really young. But so I, there's this whole mystery of this woman I had found out about maybe a year before that. And I'd found out, oh, she's still alive, you know, and I wrote her a letter and she received the letter, but I never met her um, in person, you know, and then she died. And then I, I, I got word of her death. And then I think a week later I was weaving this coffin and then I just thought, Oh, this coffin's for Corolla, you know, Mm. like this coffin is for her. And like, just like, yeah. I mean, it was just like so immensely powerful and true to me. And like that, like the feeling of that, like, yeah, just like the feeling of, of that, time is like why I'm you know I'm drawn to continue making them (laughs) because it's like (laughs) and like I guess maybe it's not the reason why but it's 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 just um the place where it comes from it's not really like the why it's just like oh that's where it, it comes from it's like that's the that's the heart of the work
Hey everybody, Ned here. I just wanted to take a few minutes to say hi. Glad you're listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. And I wanted to say a few words about our sponsor, Coracao Chocolate. I mean, the easiest thing to do would be, trust me, go to the website. Go to curacaochocolate.com. That's C-O-R-A-C-A-O chocolate.com. And check out their selections. They've got truffles and bars. You can do combo packs. You can mix a bunch of stuff together and send it to someone you love. It's just the best, highest quality chocolate you could ever hope for. And there's no soy, no GMOs, no dairy, no gluten, no cane sugar, no preservatives, and a whole bunch of yummy. So uh, just trust me. I mean, the easiest thing is just trust me, go to the website and take this code, chocolate20, and get 20% off of whatever you buy there. Seriously, like what else do you need to know? But I'm going to talk a little more about it. They've got their regular line, the Curacao chocolate line with all the bars and the filled bars and the truffles and things. But they also have their Cococo brand. And Cococo is a drinking chocolate. And it is my mind-blowing favorite. You get these little pyramid boxes. The packaging alone is perfect and yummy with so much intention and artistry so creatively designed, but you take that little pyramid of chocolate and you pop the top, there's a bag of chocolate inside, and you take your little tablespoon and you dig out a pile of that powder and you throw three of those, let's say, in a mason jar like I do, and you boil some water on the side, and then you take a quarter cup of that water and you put it in with the chocolate and you shake the hell out of that jar with a lid on it, and you shake it once and you let a little air out, get that pressure out, and then you tighten it back up and you shake the hell out of it and you shake it so long and I shake it too long because I just want it to last forever, the whole thing, the ritual of making this unbelievable drink. And you open the top up and it's ready to go. And you drink it down like the best little treat that you could ever hope for in a day, but also thoughtful and like requires your intention to create it. You're not just like grabbing something and throwing it in your mouth. You're creating a little something to take care of yourself in a loving, sweet manner. Like it should be a new way we all have chocolate all the time. And they know it because that's why they created a brand just for the drinking chocolate, Cococo. So again, the code chocolate20, chocolate20, take that code, take it to their website, curacaochocolate.com and order mind-blowing amounts of chocolate and get 20% off. You're not only supporting a great company that makes good chocolate, you're taking care of yourself and your yummy tummy, and you're also supporting You're Going to Die, the podcast. And we love you for it. Thank you. Now, that's not the only way you can support what we do. There's a lot of ways, and we talk about them here and there. And I'm going to talk about one new way, real quick, that you can support You're Going to Die, the podcast. And that is through our Patreon page. That's right. If you go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Y-G, the number two D, Y-G-2-D, you can find our Patreon page and you can support us with a monthly contribution to the podcast. We just announced it. Please come over to the website and be one of our first contributors, first patrons, if you will. 
And you can literally do as little as $1 a month. You can do as much as $500 a month, which we obviously would welcome. But so you know, if you want to be a part of this podcast being in the world, $1 a month is more than enough. That means so much. So that's one way. Also, you can do it. Get your chocolate at careercalchocolate.com, discount code chocolate20, or go to our Patreon page and become one of our patrons. We'd so appreciate it. We already appreciate you for listening, so know you're already doing a ton. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's funny how this moment in the beginning of the podcast coming into being, it was supposed to be kind of a calming moment, and I'm finding myself getting very riled up talking about Patreon and chocolate. I guess in a way it's nice because then I can be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Take a breath. I was talking with Maureen about where she lives and kind of where the death and dying conversation intersects with that because she lives near lots of animals and she talked about some of those animals during our conversation together and some of the animals she talked about were the chickens and the roosters. It's been nice during these episodes to have moments where we can share little realities from other people's lives, places we can't go. And we especially can't go right now during a pandemic, maybe. But maybe places we never would have been able to visit. The specialness of creating a little portal for us to share in the middle of a show. So I asked Maureen if she wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of the sounds of the, the reality of those chickens and the roosters. This is the best.
the coffins that I'm weaving right now are for two of like the closest, dearest people to me. And they live underneath me. They're my downstairs neighbors. And um, they're each 77. And they're each like, just like profound, uh, (laughs) (laughs) just, just amazing humans, incredibly supportive and like such gems and such gifts. Um, I think that the way that these coffins make their way into people's lives is going to forever change shape and like is very much emergent. And like, that is, um, something I'm ready and prepared to, navigate in a way um where it isn't just about the coffins like the coffins like I speak to them as like doorways um it's similar to the way that like weaving cradles and again like thinking about willow as the guide and like is this familiar and like very um welcoming in some ways and attractive Mm -hmm. being that invites someone in and um So these vessels as doorways to learn together and to navigate together and to um, inspire, to empower together the, the, the other choices that we as humans living in the world right now um, need to make as individuals or together around birth and around death. One question I have there's a lot of ways that I do this death and dying unfolding that I do. Uh, it's always strange to call it work because I don't really feel like it is and don't really want it to be, but it is where I've ended up being in the world and it's what I do in the world. And it is strongly connected to my mom and my mom's death and what was missing from my mom's death or felt like she didn't get or I didn't get. And I wonder in your life if there was a version of that that had happened or that you'd lived through that also informs this work. There's sometimes I feel apologetic about talking about my mom's cancer and how she was with her cancer because that's what my mom did. That's how she did the cancer and lived through it. And she was private and her relationship with God was very private. And she would have turned me away if I was some guy who she didn't know that walked into her hospital room and said, do you want to do creative writing Uh, right now? (laughs) She would have been like, no, I don't. Thank you. I just want to get this medicine in me or whatever and be over this and go home and forget about the cancer, you know? And, but so you see, I have this way that I really connect to how I'm being in the world, but also respecting my mom and kind of how she did her life and death. It was hers. So I asked that question with real reverence around knowing there's people that got buried a certain way or weren't buried a certain way in your life. And that's just part of, how they lived and died and there's a way we respect it and honor it because because it's theirs but also maybe there's a way we experienced it that it informs who we are and what we do now mm-hmm. yeah um i have a twin sister who i love dearly and has now birthed two 
lovely humans into the world. And um, it was um, the birth of her first child. I was just shown um, in that birth uh, that no matter what felt like, um, it felt like so many things were missing in terms of um, how, what I knew or didn't know at that time in terms of how to show up for her and in that really liminal space of birth, um, but also like the medicalization of birth and the standardization of birth and uh, the, you know, meaning like the standards of care that are in the hospital, the things they say that you can or can't do or, you know, move this way, but you can't move that way. And um, the way that all of that, in my opinion, is rooted in fear and more specifically in a fear of death and dying. Um, the way that the medical system, in a way, just tries to control birth, you know? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Not that it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm hearing you, but I also yeah. had two home births, my wife, mm -hmm. with our two children. And so there's a way I personally really understand what you're saying and connect to it, really not through any wisdom of my own, but uh -huh. <laughs> just <laughs> listening. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I bring up the birth because like I said, they just live together. They come, mm -hmm. it's, it's the same thing to me, you know, they kind of, they, um, it's not the same thing, but like, um, yeah, I guess what is it? Cause I, it's so easy for me to say, I understand cause I feel it, but I wonder what those words are to what, how can you put words to them being the same? Right. I mean, um, this is, it's just very recent for me that I finished again, reading John O'Donoghue's book on Ankara and he's really talking about birth as a death and death as a rebirth. And then also, you know, from thinking about teachings from some of my other teachers that like very much look towards like death as the seed, um, and that the seed be being returned into the earth and then like that seed sprouting life back up into the world, you know, uh -huh. and, mm -hmm. but that in terms of birth being a death, um, Donna Donahue is also, <laughs> Donna Donahue is the star of this conversation. <laughs> yes, um, it fits for me, for sure. Yeah, just that, um, like maybe thinking from the baby's perspective, this internal world of separation from the womb, you know, separation from this umbilical cord, you know, separation from this being that maybe from inside he's speculating that this being is actually considering their birth as some kind of death. Mm -hmm. That like there is this and 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 he thinks about death. He's, he talks about death that way, too, and that um, like we can't ever see it from the other side. We can't ever hear about it from the other side. People go there and then they don't return back to tell us about it. That's what he says, you know, yeah. and just like, um, and so in some ways, yeah, he was talking about that flip, like that perspective of this being who's very much being born into the world. Um, but in some ways that is also this death and this like separation from who they were inside of that like salty sack, you know, it's, you know, that separation from our mothers you know, um, from that place, if, you know, if you identify with, with the womb, it's like from the separation from that place is something that we carry through our lives. 
but also thinking maybe like on a larger perspective, the separation from the body of the earth and the separation from, you know, what I sometimes refer to as like the like big larger mother, you know, of this life of the, mm-hmm. this earth of this earth body. And, um, thinking about that separation, um, and the feelings that that created in myself as a young child. And, um, you know, one way it's been put is like my soul rebelling against, um, a kind of way of being human in the world that really just didn't feed any sort of life. What's coming up for me is this back to my question around like what my mom was like going through her cancer and dying and that that's who she was and the impact that had on me, you know, was really significant. And maybe it could be argued that what I do is somehow like the opposite, you know, like the meaning of it or the point of it is because I felt like it was lacking before. But there's also this way that what I went through with her got me at her bedside, her deathbed, and so then mm-hmm. sent me to other deathbeds to ask the questions that hadn't been answered. Yeah. And I think about you asking the willow. Yeah. Asking questions. the questions and having the answers come back in, in a timing all their own, you know, like, um, I'm asking the question of like, and I don't have the answer to it, but like the question of like, what does it mean to be buried on lands we're not indigenous to, you know, and who will cross me over and how will that happen? Will it be the swans? Will it be a human being? Will it somehow be this like miraculous return of like my ancestors in a form that, you know, I don't know. Yeah. could be the swans. I don't know, (laughs) but it's just like, I'm just done being told, well, well, you know, don't ask this question because this is just reality. This is the reality we live in. And I'm just like, oh, to me, what's very like true is that reality is like changing shape and that it's, it's in asking these questions and like weaving these like what feel to me like portals, you know, they're like they're portals of future imagining. That's what I was calling them earlier in the winter. like. Because people came up to me, well, who's this for? You know, and at first the vessel didn't have anyone for, like, that it was for. I, I said, I'm just making them so they're ready when called on. Yeah. Yeah. Whistle three times. I'm doing this for my grandmothers. Today, Mother Blue, the mountains are full of snow and I can still remember my name. Wet with holy rain, drops of atmospheric messages bring the bird's eye view down to puddles or soaked in skin. Is the day waxing or waning? Is the horizon morning prayers or the after dinner and weaving basket salmon glow good night? I split my side when I dove into you. I thought I was a cormorant or an old shell. 
I split my side and voice echoed from my uterus. The blood ran red, showed me that I bleed, felt raw, real pain. You are in long time, raw diving sea, ancient pain. Mother, you are on fire. I dug a shallow grave by your sea, carved a mystery womb, wondering if you would recognize me, grandmother, grandmothers. You tell me you do by the thorns catching, by the side splitting, by the eagles flying in pairs, in hollow sighs where baskets get woven, in the dark bodies of spiders. What's being born from this great death? How do you see? What do you recognize? What feeds the sun? Who is holding my death? All the births I can birth. Will dying be a melting glacier? I don't go seeking the sacred, but I'm ready when the time comes, so I drink strong teas. My body expands and contracts pulses and screams as the strongest storms and quakes, changes form, sheds salty red, there is nothing to fear. Shallow graves, physiological birth, subterranean microbial encounters with the unseen dug by hand, three to four feet below this surface, layers of forest stuff, seeded mounds, dark black holes, celestial cervix, mouth of the invisible, the spiral power of galaxies, all gas and dust visible in the pull from her home. Eaten by stars, devoured by what we're made of, cosmically digested. What does the inside of loss look like? Tending grief in baskets, bending water, shape-shifting, from human to real human, salt water and fresh water rubbing in deep oceanic spaces. What can we say that the silence isn't already speaking? Talk in mist. This physical life, only a representation of what is real. Dark stones, the worlds within breathing tides, myths, muttering, magic. See mother in fog, I tell you I love you against a wide sky. Sign I love you from different places in my body. I am a woman, she is your wildcat oracle. Thunderstorms grow a garden, bleeding truth in cries. The tears are wings, my body is clay and shivers. I am not a cormorant, closer to a whale, but more human than anything. Telling my sex, my power, my focused fierce. What happens when what we are made of dies? Wonder if this earth body will live and if I will birth a child. Children, are the ancestors returning? How will the glacier return? the ones who died burning, weaving to tend the decomposition. I am doing this for my grandmothers. Breathe three times.
that was Maureen Walrath's poem, Portals, with some soundscaping by Nick Jaina. There's a couple ways that you can support Maureen Walrath, and one of the ways she put it is that you might just consider someone in their life who is going to give birth or die soon and consider what they need. And I love that. I actually love that, like, ooh, we got to make a lot of room. They're having a baby or that person's dying. Like, I don't know what to say or I don't want to bother them. And so I'm going to use Maureen's request as uh, I'm going to back it and just say, great. Like, who is that? Is there someone right now that you can reach out to and just say, what do you need? And maybe community surrounding a birth or a death. And then especially maybe support for people navigating oppressive systems while going through that, the kind of people out in the world that need support because they're being affected by oppressive systems more than others. And Maureen said, I believe we all have within us the care and wisdom to show up for our people. It just takes a little extra finesse in this strange system we move in and around. You also can tip Maureen at Maureen Biome, M-A-U-R-E-E-N-B-I-O-M-E. And I believe that's through Venmo. I'm going to put it in the liner notes. And you can also look for local groups of birth workers or doulas serving black indigenous people of color. In the Bay Area, for example, Roots of Labor Birth Collective is a good one. And again, I'll put some of this info in the liner notes. So thanks to Maureen for answering that question so thoroughly and thoughtfully. Before we do anything else, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> live, live from the Apollo, it's Nick Jaina. Nick Jaina. Nick Jaina is the sound engineer, soundscaper, producer of You're Going to Die, the podcast. And he also offers introduction music hey. to himself. Hey, Nick, Nick. Guys, this is Nick. If you've not, if this is the first episode you've ever listened to, this is Nick. We do this at the end of every episode. And he is half the reason, maybe more of the reason, uh, more than half of the reason that the podcast is happening at all in the great ways that it's happening. Um, but the the best way to describe him is friend and producer of You're Going to Die, the podcast, Nick Jane. How are you doing today? I've noticed a pattern when I ask you something, you <laughs> immediately say, no, I will not do that. And then you end up doing it to the most extreme degree. <laughs> Wait a second. Have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> so when I say, hey, could you give me a little little extra context for the first time listener of who I am? Who's this voice an hour into the I podcast? I totally and forgot you, say, you asked, asked no, me to do that. <laughs> no, I will not. That's the last thing I'm going to do. And then you do it. <laughs> it's great. I appreciate but it. Effectively, just like learning. beyond effectively. Learning these patterns. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we are learning about each other. I'm wondering <laughs> what the listener experience is of us getting to know each other. Because I feel like for you and I, we did know each other before the pandemic and shared experiences, some mm. personal and wonderful, like, for example, your wedding. That yeah, you were, you were one of two guests at our pandemic wedding. Mm -hmm. that's, a rare, that's a rare thing when you're like 50% of the 
uh, audience of a <laughs> wedding. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I had to sit on one side, you know, like I, it just was based <laughs> on where the other person sat. <laughs> yeah, my, my side was pretty lonely that day. <laughs> Two people on the bride side and nobody on the groom side. <laughs> anyway, glad you're here, Nick. How are you feeling today? What's what's going on? Um, yeah, I, I really love that discussion with Maureen, Maureen at the end when she says, I've been thinking about it ever since I heard it. Um, what does it mean to be buried in land that isn't yours? Mm-hmm. I, I had never thought of that question and those words before. I've thought a lot about living on stolen land, um, growing up in a place, you know, I grew up in Sacramento. I don't think I ever heard the name of the native tribes from that area. I can't remember ever hearing that in school. So, you know, it's come later that awareness of this is not my land and this is not the land of my ancestors. But I never thought about after my life when my body is put in the ground, it will be in this borrowed land. And I just thought that was a really profound thought that she offered that has no real acceptable (laughs) answer or solution. It's just something to be aware of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciated her touching on that a lot throughout our conversation. And like I said, for supporting her being on the podcast, just the real natural remembrance she has of, well, that's a great question. How can you support me? Well, how about supporting all these other people? Like she's constantly in that question, it feels like. And it was really good to hear that from her. How was it with the chickens and roosters? Um, you did a, <laughs> you did our uh, our little mid show moment. Um, what was that like? Yeah, well, we have this relationship where I'm trying to provide some in interstitial music based on sounds that are related to the guest or something somebody submits and. It's an interesting way of making music. Usually you write a song and you're like, okay, melody, words, chords, something interesting, you know, something touching. And with this, it's like, okay, what's the feature here? It's chickens and then a super loud rooster. <laughs> and I was looking at the, this, you know, you can look at a sound wave when you put it in and I see all these like little bumps and I see this huge bump coming up and I'm like, whoa, here comes the rooster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that rooster did not disappoint. No, um, it comes through strong. It's just funny to have committed you and I to that mid-show moment being kind of a meditative space to calm. That's what calm. I was thinking is like, is this going to be meditative in any sense of the word? <laughs> or is it so like- So now you have me just like freaking out about chocolate, screaming about Patreon, and then just like chickens and roosters. It's, it's I don't, for, I don't it's know for advanced meditators. Down. Like you think you're good at meditating? Yes. Try to meditate over this. Yes, that I appreciate. <laughs> For those of you that are just joining us or have before, you can support the podcast in a lot of ways. One of those ways, by the way, is just simply share this episode with one friend or one family member or one member in your community. Just say, you know what? This was good and I know they'll like it. And that word of mouth for us is so significant. So really like on your phone, if that's where you listen to the podcast especially easy just to get the link for the episode and send it out one person slash to 50 people great but just the idea that you know you know what mattered to you who will it matter to as well so that's that's a new way and reminder for you to get you're going to die the podcast into the world but also think of think of the best meditator that you know and say 
Get a load of this. <laughs> yeah, that, actually, that's good. Challenge your... You think you found peace of mind? <laughs> challenge your best meditators. If this podcast does anything, it's to challenge the better meditators in the world. So help us get that happening. And then, like we've mentioned before, ratings and reviews are so, so helpful for helping our podcast get into new ears and especially easy. A lot of the apps don't have an option to review, but as annoying as it is that it's not available a lot, Apple Podcasts makes it mostly easy. So if you're able to get Apple Podcasts, if you already listen, you can literally go into the app right now and add a rating with some stars, a few words. And if you do that, there's a chance that we will read your review on the podcast. And that's been a nice way for Nick and I to kind of reflect on what we're doing and how people are experiencing it. So we're going to do one of those right now. Can I suggest one more way of spreading the word? Yeah. Hire a skywriter. <laughs> <laughs> They still right do that. I can't remember the list. last time I saw a Skywriter. We had that on the promo and marketing just, list. <laughs> it's it's going to be a tense moment after the Skywriter writes, you're going to die. And before <laughs> he gets to the podcast. Yeah. But it's going to get attention. It's going to get eyeballs. You are right, actually. that That is something we need to really push our listeners to invest in. <laughs> Skywriting for the podcast. Uh, I'll read this review. It's a five-star okay. review. Let's do it. We got five. We got five. What's that out of? Uh, six. <laughs> no, nice. I'm just kidding. Five out of five. Five out of five. Hillary Rappaport says, medicine for the mortal soul. This podcast brings to light the things I wish people spoke about more, but sometimes trade down for niceties. It is truth telling and community, and it is a picture of how we can and are making this world a better place to live and to die. Thank you. Hmm. Thank you, Hillary. Yeah, thanks, Hillary. It's just nice to get, uh, in this pandemic time, it's nice to get little windows of life outside, you know? Like, it used to be so easy. Like, you'd be at a show and you'd be at the bar after, mm -hmm. or in the intermission, and people would be like, hey, nice one, you know? Yeah, that's a good and, point. And it takes a lot, there's a high threshold to, like, type out to somebody an email that says, hey, nice one, <laughs> you know? It yeah, just came absolutely. so casually before. I, you know, I, I don't know why I'm thinking of this, but I, my car was stolen a few weeks ago and it's such a helpless feeling to be like, well, now what? I don't know. You know, I filed a police report, but it's like my car is gone. And then I got a letter the other day from Fast Track, the, a toll violation. And it was a picture of my car. Someone was driving my car down the freeway. Wow. And it was, it was kind of nice. It was like, hey, hey buddy, at <laughs> oh, least you're that... out there, you know, like you're enjoying yourself. It, it felt like the car was like that's funny. sending me a photo of its time and just like, don't worry about me. <laughs> it's like, I'm coming I'm of age. I'm living it you know? up. Yeah. I'm and I don't know if up. somebody stole it and they're just, it's just, they're just driving it to work every day. Like it's their car. I don't know how that works, but it's, you know, little glimpses of, of life, <laughs> like feeling like, you know, like you, you still have these connections because it's hard to see sometimes. Wow, yeah, thanks for sharing about that, Nick. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. And thank you all for listening, everybody. <clears throat> Wait, do you, do you want to try? Oh, uh, do you have a... Is something else? <laughs> that was going to be my end. <laughs> I don't know why this just came to me. Maybe you'd want to try to impersonate a rooster. Oh, God. Uh, it's funny, right? I mean... 
to just just to have the the chance to let out emotion maybe in the sound of an animal um i'm going to pass on that <laughs> i'm going to pass on that but i appreciate the the afterthought <clears throat> are you going to try do you want to oh yeah, you I just, are i no i do i just feel like doing it. i'm not saying yeah. this i haven't practiced this i don't i'm not saying it's me i can tell just like energetically it's just cuz these they seem to just come in and just be like I don't know what they're, they, they think they're saying, but they're just like, check me out. You know, that seems to be the translation of <laughs> yeah. cock-a-doodle-doo. It's like, yeah. hey, guys, look at me. I got something. Yeah. I got something it's good. It's very showy. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. That wasn't wow. very good. That was more like a peacock, uh, peacock but. It's why it was good. Um, it, it not being accurate is, is why it was good. Great. Great. All right. Well, thanks, Nick. Thanks, listeners. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Bye. 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 <laughs>